The following story was told by Kayla, a writer and mental health advocate from Mental Health Connecticut's Write On program. This story is raw, personal, and may contain language not suitable for younger listeners. Hello. It's such a strange word, isn't it? Hello? It feels funny, like when peanut butter is stuck to the roof of your mouth and you try to pry it off with your tongue, but you feel like you're choking, like you're going to die. Hello, you said. Letters should start with hello. So, hello. 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 Goodbye is the opposite of hello. Goodbye is what I'm used to writing. Goodbye is my vulturous mind circling around the carcasses of happy in memories, picking apart every misstep that has brought me to today. You know this. You found the old letters placed on your side of the table when I thought it was my last day. You helped me rip them, burn them, throw them in the trash. Together, we watched the embers float to the cold corpses of stars as they stared down at us from the night sky. It's difficult to believe that embers are dead fire when they fall like gray snow. You said that my goodbye letters were scary. I expected you to run away, but you didn't. You stayed right there and held my broken pieces together as I felt nothing. Did you think I would cry? Would it be better, more normal, if I had? Someday I will say hello with ease. Someday that five-letter word won't ache so much. Will you wait for me? Will you listen, even when I can't find the words? Will you understand when the only word I can manage is hello? Hello. Fact, I have never liked sleeping. It was worse when I was little, when I lacked the vocabulary to express the existential dread that would suffocate me every night like a dark, dark wave. Every night I feared the forgotten dreams and nightmares, the time lost to memory. It feels like looking away from an hourglass, only to realize upon looking back that all the sand has fallen to the bottom. Before I learned language, I expressed this overwhelming fear the only way I knew how, hysterical crying and screaming. On particularly bad nights, my parents would strap me into my car seat, their mouths in tight, straight lines. They'd drive, grumbling to each other in words I couldn't understand. Eventually, the rumbling car would rock me to sleep. My dad would lift me up and place me ever so gently in my bed, the one he had carved and painted white. As soon as light peeked over the horizon, I would wake up. My first breath was always a gasp, the kind of breath you take when you've been underwater too long and your lungs feel like raisins. Then I would bury myself in a book or a game or whatever I could to keep myself from thinking about not being. Fact. It is possible to take seven AP classes, be the lead in the school play, be the section leader in the band, be the captain of the swim team, be in the National Honor Society, take piano lessons, and have a boyfriend if you budget sleep to an hour a day. Bonus. You'll be so busy that you'll even forget about dying. But it is not recommended to take seven AP classes, be the lead in the school play, be the section leader in the band, be the captain of the swim team, be in the National Honor Society, take piano lessons, and have a boyfriend by not sleeping. Side effects include randomly crying in the middle of AP Spanish, playing an A instead of an A flat, and telling your boyfriend that you're fine when you are definitely 100% not okay. Fact, not being able to sleep is caused by a chemical imbalance in the brain. That's what the doctors told me just a normal part of depression. But if my symptoms are so obvious, why wasn't I diagnosed when I was four and crying in my parents' car? Or when I was the perfect zombie girl in high school? Why did everybody try to act like my behavior was normal? The worst fact, 
Draw a person with depression and it will not be me. When I say that I have a depression, most people respond with an incredulous, you? It is how I know my smile, my mask, is effective. I try to keep my disguise in place, but inside I am still that little kid, still hysterically screaming and crying in the dark, dark night, wondering what happens when I stop waking up. Hello. In elementary school, a boy called me perfect. I'm pretty sure that most of the time, perfect is supposed to be a compliment, but the way he spat the word out, the bit of spit flying from his mouth to my cheek when he poignantly pronounced the P made me realize that it was not meant as a compliment at all. I remember turning away my face like the dark side of the moon as I ground my teeth against tears. By the time I came up with a response, he was back at his desk, whispering to his pack, wolfish grins flashing at me. I pretended to read, but my mind started making lists. List of reasons why I seem perfect. One, I am one of three students in my grade whose parents are together. Two, I live in a single family home, not a duplex or apartment. Three, I fold my hands, sit up straight, dot my I's, cross my T's. Four, I get all A's and VG's on my report cards. Five, I know what I want to do with my life. List of reasons why I'm not perfect. My mind started spinning behind my mask, topsy-turvy and overloaded like a crooked circus jammed into a clown car. It raced to the edge of the universe and went straight over it, crashing down, down, down. Then everything was still, and everything was nothing, and I still couldn't find the words. I bolted upright, noticing my teacher kneeling beside me. I drew a map from her forehead wrinkles to the concern in her old blue eyes. Are you okay? Sorry, just got to a sad part in my book. I lied, smile back in place. The teacher's eyes subsided. She nodded once and moved on. Hello. You know how when you're reading a book or watching a movie or being told a story in whatever form of media is popular nowadays, sometimes it seems like it's about to end only to surprise you with another page, another chapter, a sequel? That's the pattern of my life. I walked down the sidewalkless street, knowing exactly what I was walking towards. Every step felt like my sneakers were melting into the tar, but it was just my body rebelling against my mind. It doesn't get that warm in March. The sky was blank, covered in clouds like it didn't want to see me. I unlocked the door, tossed my backpack on the kitchen floor, and stared at the set of knives on the kitchen counter. Trance-like, I grabbed the biggest one and, ever so daintily, traced my fingers along its edges. I wondered how much force it would take to cut me open, to spill red puddles from my wrist like a hastily opened container of juice. In science class, I learned that a pinky finger has the same density as a baby carrot. Therefore, it should be reasonable to bite off one's pinky finger, but your brain won't let you. Go ahead, try it. Experience what it's like to have your brain yell, stop. Because then you will understand why I'm alive today. Why, instead of slitting my wrists, I put the knife back in its slot. Hello. I think I have depression. What? I have depression. What do you mean? You're not sad. Depression, depression isn't really sadness. It's more like nothingness. What's that even supposed to mean? You don't have depression. You just don't get things done. If you just sat down and got things done, you wouldn't be feeling overwhelmed. Don't you think that's it when it really comes down to it? The reason I don't get things done is because I'm depressed. But it's like I just don't care about anything anymore. I can't do anything. 
I really think if you just got things done, you're not, like, bad, right? What do you mean? Like, you're not going to... No, I say, but it might be a lie. Hello. You know that poster, the one with the orange tabby hanging on the branch of a tree, its green eyes wide, ears flat, and hang in there in G-rated font on the bottom? That cat's so famous, I bet it's hanging from that tree in every school in the whole wide United States. That cat's so famous, I bet it has weekly lunches with Garfield and Grumpy Cat. There's a reason that cat's so famous. It didn't ask Garfield for a movie deal or beg Grumpy Cat to spread some of that meme love. It's grassroots famous. That scared orange tabby is famous because it's you. It's me. It's everyone who has ever lived. Have you ever wondered why they don't show the ground in that poster? Do you know why? I'll tell you. It's because if they did, that cute motivational poster would look like an advertisement for a horror movie. If cats always land on their feet, why not just let go? What's below the orange tabby that is so terrifying, so dangerous? Who is the monster starring in our flick? Some people prefer to pretend it doesn't exist. I choose to look directly at it. I know that no matter how hard I grip this branch, my hold is finite. Someday, I will let go. The endless jaws await. There will be no after. If time is infinite and I am finite, what is the point of holding on? What difference does it make if I let go now or now or now? Why keep reading if I know how it ends? And there you have it, folks. The meaning of life. To find an excuse to keep living. Warning, patients with depression are more likely to have suicidal thoughts. Patients with depression see things as they are. No sugar-coated picket fence plus kids times 2.5. Patients with depressions know that life is meaningless, that every story has the same ending. And yet, I'm still here. Hello. I've decided that I don't want therapy to be a physical place. I want it to be a way of life. I want it to be the sun shining and the wind singing and the trees dancing. I want it to be the snow falling and the rain falling and nothing falling at all. I want it to be the smelling of lilacs and dirt and even skunks. I want it to be deep conversations and laughter and silence. I want it to be giving and receiving and taking when you need to take. I want it to be my cat purring belly up. I want it to be my mom worrying, and my dad working, and my brother being cool. And I want it to be my head thinking, and my heart beating, and my lungs breathing slow and deep. I want it to be my eyes seeing, my ears hearing, my skin feeling. I want it to be running and walking and standing still for as long as I need. Because I have decided that therapy is not a place. It is a way of living. And sometimes, you need to stop to keep moving. Hello? Hello? This story was recorded in front of a live audience at CT Improv's Theater in Hartford, Connecticut. Want to hear more young adults find their voice and speak their truth? Go to mhconn.org slash write on. That's W-R-I-T-E-O-N.